Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chickdays. Joined this morning by Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, who is keeping an eye on developments uh, both at uh, in Washington, D.C. and abroad. Senator, thanks for checking in. Uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, supply chain issues, that seems to be a conversation every time you turn around the corner. Wisconsin farmers obviously paying attention to that, too. Give us some of your perspective. You're involved in these conversations on a high level. What things are you noticing? Is there any resolution, any light at the end of the proverbial tunnel? Well, good morning, Pam. Well, you know, I should warn people, I'm not necessarily the most uplifting character. Yeah, I, I, I'm from the private sector, so I actually understand how it works. And now that I'm in government, I understand how it doesn't work. And, you know, the problem with government is their only, their only solution to most of these problems is just throw more money at it, which is just going to exacerbate the problem. And so as, as you know, Democrats now are passing these multi-trillion dollar, completely partisan spending bills, what they're doing is they're throwing you know, more money into the economy, you know, money chase, you know, too much, do- too many dollars chasing too few goods. Uh, they're paying people not to work. And so people aren't working. We, we have a, you know, we're, we're almost six percentage points below uh, a 2000 uh, year, 2000 high of labor participation rate, uh, almost six percentage points below that. Uh, and so as I travel around the state of Wisconsin, the continued now inflation is probably the, the biggest concern that businesses have, but right up there with it is what they've been concerned about for years, and it's not being able to hire enough people. And so when you can't hire enough people, you have businesses literally not being able to fill the orders that they're bringing in, which, trust me, drives every business person crazy. They're having to shut down shifts. And so if you can't find the labor you're not going to be able to, you know, put on the shifts. You're not going to be able to crank out the, the supply. So we're going to have, you know, my, my concern, I've been writing about this. I've been uh, uh, warning about this for quite some time. I, I think we're in stagflation right now, low growth and increasing inflation. And it's a very difficult cycle to break out of. And I'll tell you the way you do, do not break out of it is, is crank out uh, more government spending, uh, money that we don't have, increased deficits, increased debts, uh, continue to pay people and incentivize people not to enter the workforce. But that's the direction we're going right now. You know, one of the issues that agriculture is facing, along with that labor situation, is we can't get our products to our international buyers. Uh, you know, we're finding that our, our buyers are putting a kind of a pain-in-the-butt factor in on the price they're willing to pay because they just don't know when things are going to get there. When it comes to infrastructure improvements or transparency on getting answers, what do you see there? Well, again, we we, just, we do need government to get out of the way of the private sector. The private sector would take care of this. But to me, so much of this is driven by labor shortage. I wrote an op-ed in the Wall, Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago that kind of laid it out. But part of the problem is our completely broken immigration system. You know, what is such a tragedy of President Biden dismantling the successful policies of the previous administration is the fact that we were so close to, to by and large, securing our borders so we could take the next step and establish a functioning legal immigration system. I, I was working with the Trump administration. They had a very common sense immigration system that they were working on. You reduced the number of visas from, like, close to 100 down to six with merit-based score based on contributing to our economy. 
So it makes sense. If you, we are going to need legal immigrants. You know, legal immigrants have always made this country strong, legal immigrants. But now we have this massive flow of illegal immigrants. That, that'll depress wages. It's, it's an illegal immigrant that doesn't have documentation and can be exploited by unscrupulous employers. So again, all, all these Democrat policies, all Democrat governance is just exacerbating these problems. They were created by the, by the COVID crisis, which, by the way, also we, we handled insanely. Um, I, I just ask your listeners, uh, did, all this, did all of our response, did it work? I mean, all the shutdowns, the mass mandates, you know, the vaccinations, which effectiveness is waning right now. You know, the vaccine injuries is one of the reasons that it's not illogical for people to choose uh, not to get vaccinated, particularly if they've already had COVID. And we see, you know, robust immunity from that. So, I mean, so these policies are insane and they're just exacerbating our problem. You know, one area that uh, we continue to monitor from an agriculture side of things is our relationship with China. Uh, we had made good progress on coming, that, making them come to market to bear on agricultural agreements. Now, I was just talking with U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. He said there's still seven items, uh, phytosanitary to a large extent, China has not complied with under our previous Phase 1, Phase 2 agreements so that they're not able to move forward on any further discussions. Well, China, Senator, is a major market for our Wisconsin agricultural goods. What do you see developing there? Yeah, I understand that. And I would like to view China as a 1.4 billion person potential market. And I think that's the way, you know, so many people in agriculture and, and uh, you know, in U.S. industry uh, views China. And I, I wish we could just, you know, view them that way and just forget about their misbehavior. You know, the fact that they are a unfriendly adversary, the fact that they cheat, that they steal intellectual property. So I, I think, you know, you have to recognize that as well. And, you know, I think the way to address that, though, is having strong relationships with our other trading partners and as a unified front going to China and demand that they follow the World Trading Organization rules, that they stop cheating, that they stop uh, stealing our intellectual property. It's, it's not an easy situation by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I think uh, President Trump is absolutely right in calling out China and uh, trying to do what he could to discipline them uh, again, you know how, how to how to bring them uh, into the you know into the world economy in a helpful way as opposed to a destructive way. I mean, whether it's their the Belt and Road Initiative or China 2025, which is what they're going to try and do with another 10 industries, like they did the steel industry, which has created dramatic overcapacity, which bankrupts the steel industries throughout the world. I mean, that's what you know. China is all about just creating jobs. Uh, so they have a very inefficient allocation of capital, and they're a very difficult country to compete with. Uh, so again, it's it's a it's a really difficult problem, uh, but we need to approach it wide-eyed and and recognize that unfortunately, they're not just a friendly rival; they're an unfriendly adversary. They cheat, they lie, they steal, and uh, they're they're difficult to deal with. With that thought in mind, can we pivot for just a moment on what we've learned from COP26 in Glasgow? Um, you know, agriculture had hoped that it would be part of the conversation towards solutions. Uh, U.S. Secretary Vilsack said he tried to put that in the air of conversation. What's your take on COP26? And it sounds like they're going to continue this uh, dialogue in, uh, in a fairly quick pace for world government. Well, 
hopefully it didn't do too much damage. Um, I, I, listen, I, I do not deny climate change. I mean, climate has always changed. It always will. Uh, I, I think it's a legitimate dispute to determine you know, exactly how much man actually affects climate. And we certainly know uh, man can negatively affect the environment. Uh, and I'm a huge environmentalist. I, I, I like a pristine environment, you know, clean air, clean water, uh, love outdoor activities, camping. But when it comes to, to climate change, uh, I'm not sure there's much we can really do about it, quite honestly. Uh, over the last 20,000 years, the last, since the last glaciation period where Wisconsin was covered by a 5,000-foot glacier, we've seen the sea level rise over 300 feet in the Bay of San Francisco. Again, I, I, that, that wasn't caused by men. We weren't around. Uh, there are larger forces at play here. So you know, my concern with the whole climate change alarmism is it's just meant to control people. It's, it's you know, people want economic control. And I, I don't think there's going to be anything good coming out of it other than we are going to dramatically increase prices, uh, misallocate capital. Uh, I, I agree with Bjorn Lomborg, who, by the way, completely believes in man-made climate change, but he says we shouldn't spend a dime on it. We'll adapt. Um, when we have limited resources, there's far more effective and efficient ways to spend what limited resources you have to alleviate human suffering. Uh, trying to hold back the tides is not one of them. God bless you. You feed not only the U.S., you feed the world. You need help. You need support. Uh, unfortunately, government's not all that good at providing the kind of help and support you need, but I understand it, and I'll do everything I can to help you.